these perpetrators are just kind of like the shining stars to people in a sense. And it really is disappointing because this is my trauma. This is what I had to live with. And he did terrible things to my family. And so it's a bummer to be attached to my attacker's name in a sense. So I wish that people would understand like, oh, they may call like their bad boyfriend or a guy they dated a dirty John. But to me, it's so much more than that. It's someone that I had to kill in self-defense. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to wellness coach and podcaster, Tara Newell. Are you wondering how and when you'll finally overcome your traumas and move on? Do you know you're meant for something greater, but something from your past is holding you back? You're going to love hearing Tara right now because she specializes in helping you break through all that and live your best life. She has refreshing insights for you as you move forward into your most aligned life, into your highest and best intentions. Many know Tara because she killed her stepdad in self-defense in what became known as the Dirty John series, but she's so much more than that and wants to be known as more than that, just like you want to be known more than some single episode. Here to help you work through your trauma and move into wellness. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Tara. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I feel so encouraged by your, you know, just synopsis about me. Oh, thanks doing all the research about you. And of course, when Dirty John came out, I live in LA, so I actually read the paper every day. But back when Dirty John came out, I'm just somebody that always read op-eds. I always read everything. So I actually read the series. I never listened to it or watched on TV or anything. So I was like enthralled because I don't usually read those kinds of things. And so I'm somebody that I feel like I, I lived it through the newspaper. <laughs> which is very old fashioned. I'm sure you probably don't meet that many people that way. But I loved seeing on your website that you help people break patterns and gain freedom. And um, so I'm going to get to that. But we, we, we can't do this without talking a little bit about how when people meet you and you don't want to be known as that, like that one single episode, but there's no way it's not a traumatic event because everything's a trauma that gets stored in body if you don't deal with it. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent better to talk about it because then you're releasing it and it's not living in you, but it is unfortunate. However, I'm attached to my attacker's name and you know, the show, even though it was like about my mom and the victimhood and everything about that, it was about a perpetrator in a sense, and his name's the titles and you know, it's, the podcast title also. And these perpetrators are just kind of like the shining stars to people in a sense. And it really is disappointing because this is my trauma. This is what I had to live with. And he did terrible things to my family. And so it's a bummer to be attached to my attacker's name in a sense. So I wish that people would understand like, 
oh, they may call like their bad boyfriend or a guy they dated a dirty John. But to me, it's so much more than that. It's someone that I had to kill in self-defense. Yeah. And that's such an interesting take because, yeah, it's not just a bad boyfriend or your mom's bad picker. And and yeah. how does a bad picker not continue on to you and and your siblings, I guess, too, right? Because that's what's modeled yeah. for you. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that my other siblings are in healthy relationships because a parent can give you different like parenting styles to each child. And so some may get like more of a mom that's like 100% like a mom or um, there and is 100% not dealing with trauma during that time. So she could be present to her children. And when my mom had my sister and I, my father and mother's relationship was rocky in a sense, you know, so what? there was always like, you know, her not being able to emotionally take care of herself in a sense. And that would just come out and like overworking herself because she felt like she had to take care of everything and provide for everything because, you know, she didn't want to lose our house. She didn't want to have us have a bad life or anything. She wanted to give us like a good education. She wanted to give us like what we, like what she thought would be great in her mind, you know? And I'm so appreciative of that and everything. And my mom, you know, tried so hard, but there's different times where you give a certain amount to each child. And so each child's going to have a different experience. And so for me, and I can only speak to my experience because I'm not my brothers or sisters, I did repeat those patterns. Mm-hmm. I did get into That's interesting. Toxic. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you realize it while you were doing it or not at all? Not at all. Because when you're in it, you're in it and yep. you have your blinders up and you're just like, oh, you're getting this oxytocin. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get like these lows and it creates this addiction effect. And it's like the same effect on the brain. So you're like, oh, I need, I need that because you have these withdrawals. And so you're like, I need to get back to that high point in the relationship. And sometimes you might be at that high point and then they come back, disregard you, um, take advantage of you, do things that these narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths do, you know, um, these abusers or just toxic people in general, because sometimes when you're in this trauma state, you are living in your fight, flight, freeze responses. And so you might be living in fight mode. And I've even experienced this past day or two because I've had a few triggers that kind of threw me out of whack. This guy uh, came to watch his wife in yoga class, but I've just dealt with a few survivors that were being stalked. And then a few YouTubers came to the press conference I was at and took photos of everyone there. And these are the type of people that they are supporting a perpetrator with such a big fan base. And these fan base, they feel that they can help and help the perpetrator. 
when they're not realizing that this person's an actual victim and they're re-traumatizing and giving that person a secondary trauma. So I just kind of had to deal with that this past weekend. And so I was living in fight mode. And so uh, there's been a few discussions with my boyfriend and I, and I just kind of got fiery with him. And I'm not usually like that. <laughs> I don't usually fire back at like stuff. I'm um, usually, I take it in a process. So I had to like take note because it came, there was some friction between us. And so I had to take note that I was living in my fight response and take responsibility for that. And, you know, tell him that I just needed some time, space to heal, not space from the relationship at all. Right, right, right. Like, you know, time for me to be in my cocoon and heal and do my healing modality is stick with my schedule, do things that help make me stay on my homeostasis and not Mm -hmm. triggered. Yeah. I just had a conversation with my girlfriend. She was going through everything that just happened in her relationship and she wanted to be validated. And I just listened and I gave her space and everything. And when she was completely done, I said, I completely understand. I I understand all of it. I I said, I just, because I wanted to give her perspective. I just want to say if it's hysterical, it's historical. Her reaction was so, I wasn't being judgy. I was just saying, I think she was being triggered because it was something really little. Yeah that her partner had done and her reaction was so big that it was clearly a trigger. But until she calmed down, I don't think she, you know, like I just wanted her to breathe, breathe, breathe. Don't, don't go get divorced. (laughs) She could a little bit hear me because she loves me and respects me. You know, probably why she called me. Yeah. That's probably why she called me. It took a long time till she could hear, but she could breathe like, Yeah, you know, just do certain things because breath is so important. Yeah, so important. Yeah, (laughs) so I understand. I mean, having those tools and girlfriends, I'm sorry, but I have to say girlfriends is also part of like tools. No, 100. Other people that understand, okay. Yeah, well, and I was telling, like I did a live, I do lives every Wednesday because I just love to connect with people and I love to chat and talk and you know yeah (laughs) like we're doing now right so I was talking about how as a human we're actually like a pack we're pack mentality and so it's really important to have people in our pack and that's a part of survival because the more people that we have in our pack gives us greater defense against other people and you know, predators. Um, so just that's our natural instinct. And so it's so important to have some baselines of our natural, like caveman days, you know? Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, the blue zones where people live the longest, the healthiest and the happiest, which why do you, if you're not healthy and happy, what do you want to live a long time for anyway? (laughs) Right. But the number one reason is community. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because it's warm weather, by the way, it's like cold in four out of the five places. So anyway, but yeah, not, you can't get picked off if you're in a pack. Yeah. You want to stay in the herd. You want to stay in the herd, stay in the middle. Yeah. So it's like so important to have that connection and have friends. Yeah. And I agree. So what are your tools? Um, You needed to cocoon. And then what are the tools that you use personally? So I like to, and this, you know, is sometimes 
different for different people. Like some people won't do this, but I am an empath. I need a recharge. I am also sensitive. I just take on a lot. So I like to do one day where I'm just like, just me not doing anything. Like it's just also so drained because I also sleep. Like it makes me tired when I get like that trauma hangover. So, because your body's in like fight mode and so it has to come down and then your body is like, oh, like in order to reset, I want to sleep this off because I have to rebuild those cells. And so I like to just cocoon, watch funny movies, hang out with my dog, do little walks here and there. And then the next day I'll do yoga. I'll also do a mindful meditation like the day before as well. And then I'll do like my yoga. I also was doing spin classes recently because I had a week free of spin. So, you know, just doing stuff to move the body helps so much. And then having that mindfulness, that mindful connection and being able to meditate because there's science in that where it shows that it like changes the brain. And also like baselines it where you're not going in your fight, flight, freeze responses as much. You're like processing what's coming at you. You can't get to a much bigger advocate for mindful meditation than me. So um, I love that. And I started two-year training for mindful meditation. Oh, um, really? Yeah, with uh, Tara Brock and Jack Hornfield. So I'm a huge advocate of that. And even if somebody's just doing in and out breath for five yeah. minutes as a timeout, um, when people say, I can't meditate, just five minutes even. Yeah. <laughs> Concentrating on your breath. Those are amazing tools. So how did you get there? So you have this incredible trauma. How's your relationship with your mom first? Is or Do you guys get along or do you have a yeah. I, I love my mom. Um, I think she's a great person. We have a great relationship because we're able to talk about so many things. Like I don't hold things back with her sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I need to apologize for that because it's too much and no one should be treated that way sometimes. And so, you know, we sometimes have it out verbally. <laughs> never physically and then we're able to talk about generational trauma we're able to talk about her trauma and she's able to realize things that's happened that maybe like when the podcast came out she didn't have these realizations you know And so it's really important to talk and bridge and build that bond because when you sever the bond, it's, you know, you either have to mourn that relationship and be okay without them, or you have to like build that bond up and like, you know, live with your parents with boundaries because like everyone should have boundaries, you know, and a lot of people were not built to have boundaries. So we have to learn them. And so I love building boundaries with my mom. We both work on them together. You know, uh, we may not be hanging out every day like we used to and stuff, but it's better to have certain boundaries. Okay. Um, And your siblings, you get along. I love my siblings. We fight like brothers and sisters, but we love each other. (laughs) 
So do they also, I mean, do you guys all get counseling afterwards? Do you go to, did everybody go to therapy? Did some people just put blinders on? Some people I know in my family would not want to talk about anything, not want to deal with anything, not, you know, they just yeah. keep going. <laughs> You know, so some people wanted to talk about the story and some people wanted to just forget about it. And I have to respect their, you know, privacy and everything because people deal with it in their own way. And so I just respect that. I've just like me personally have been thrown into therapy from the start, I went to a therapist where I honestly didn't like her because it was with Kaiser and yeah, (laughs) I could only get in once a month, especially with what happened to me. Wow. And she was supposed to be the top therapist. And I would sometimes miss appointments because I just had so much trauma thrown at me. And I, like it wasn't consistent where I wasn't able to like create a schedule and like get on a routine with therapy and whatnot. So I like would completely forget about it sometimes. And then, so I like went to a session and she told me, and I, I, I was complaining that I felt like I just didn't want to be here that I just like, um, like kind of felt suicidal because of my trauma. And she said to me, I don't think you want to get better. Wow. Yeah. So I never saw her again. Yes. Good. Good for you. Yay. Advocate for yourself. I left. I hope that lady is not a therapist anymore, but I'm sure she is. It's just like, you never say that to anyone, especially when they express that actually I could report her to the board for this, especially when someone's telling you that they like, had thoughts of suicide. They don't want to be here. You know, they just got stabbed by their stepdad and had to kill someone in self-defense. You don't tell someone that. So I went to her and then I went to a different one um, at the Amen Clinic, um, Dr. Daniel Amen's clinic. And then I didn't see him, although I would love to. I'm a fan. <laughs> and then I did therapy there and it was funny. I could do therapy with this person because they had a dog with them and the dog actually used to get groomed at where I worked. So I knew the dog. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. So I would sit there. I do therapy with him, but he was $400 a session and I couldn't really afford that. I had someone that was helping me out with that payment. And then that person kind of stopped seeing my sister. Um, So he was no longer helping out with therapy for me. Um, So I had to then take a break. And during this break, I actually got into a fight with my sister and the cops were called. And so I packed up my bags and I moved to Austin to stay with my other sister and her family. They took me in, they got me into therapy twice a week for a bit. And then I switched to once a week and it was just amazing. I felt healed in Austin. I loved Austin. I was able to hike, do everything every day. And then I ended up coming back to California, getting re-triggered again, find another therapist. 
and we did EMDR. I did EMDR with Austin and in Irvine Mm -hmm. um, at Kaiser. So I did two things of EMDR. And then in Texas, I did just like so much EMDR where I felt healed. I worked on a lot of triggers and then came back to Orange County, had talk therapist. And then I got triggered because someone grabbed me by the waist at a bar went back into EMDR and found a different therapist because mine didn't do that. And then now I'm still with that therapist and it's been like four years. Okay. That's great. Yeah. So there's my, yeah, yeah. (laughs) After my attack, but I've been in therapy beforehand too. So how do you help people now? Like if somebody doesn't realize like you help people break patterns and gain freedom, what if you don't even realize there's a pattern? So. I kind of take people through, you know, what's going on in your life. You know, let's uh, talk about like all the ex-boyfriends, you know, and let's start to put like three words to describe them. And usually these words will be all similar to each other. And then I'll be like, oh, you know, and then let's go back to your parents' relationship. Let's talk about that. And then a lot of people actually will think that their parents' relationship was great. And then as the courses go on, like the moving past trauma course, like it's funny because like then it unloads that their dad was a narcissist. And then you're like, okay, we're repeating all the patterns there, you know? And it's like, you don't, sometimes in the week one, you don't get any of this. And you start to build that self-awareness in our course because I give like little things. You have to do the work though. If you just come to the live calls, you're going to get some help. You're going to get listened to in a sense, but you're going to have to accept and do work. And I also, with moving past trauma, I share lots of videos from other coaches too, because I want people to know that there's other resources out there you know, these resources are actually, I do have exclusive videos mixed in with it, but these videos are free and you go on YouTube, listen to this person. This person's amazing. Like I have lots of videos of Dr. Romani, uh, the holistic psychologist, Mark Groves, just so many other people. And I've taken a lot of courses myself. So, you know, I've done the work to do what I need to do for myself and be aware I say that the healing process is forever continuing. Oh yeah. It's peeling an onion. Yeah. It's all peeling the onion and, and it never, it never ends. It just never ends. I, I've been talking about like, cause I can, your head still goes a million miles an hour. If certain things happen, yeah. I was listening to somebody talk about the party they had and this and that, I don't know. Oh, they didn't have any holiday parties. So they did one in January for something. And they were talking about it and it sounded really funny. And all of a sudden my head said, you have no friends. Like I went in a nanosecond to, you have no friends. No one liked you. Like, I don't like all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I was like, I have uh, friends. I it like, like it went like in a second. And I was like, and so I had to breathe, say, this isn't about you. Not that I was but like, this is just enjoy her party. And I was happy for her. It sounded fun, but you know, anyway, it's just like, it can be nothing. It can be sitting there with listening to a story yeah. and all of a sudden 
I mean, you were in a yoga class and, but yours was a, a lot more triggering. I mean, it wasn't that, you know, you've got press there yeah, well, watching, like, but it could be anything and nothing. And all yeah. of a sudden you're like, there it goes. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, like, you know, there's people in the class that didn't notice that that was happening. Oh, I'm sure. But then there's the people that are aware and we're like, oh no, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, that's and, where the herd, that's where the herd mentality and then the, yeah. Know, and community comes in. I think anybody listening to this podcast, I think we're all empaths and yeah. our antennas would have been up if we were there. Everybody would have been like, you know, like protecting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because my one friend was in the class too. I had a few friends because I go there so often, you know, and I did my yoga teacher training there as well. Okay. So I had a friend that was, I think she was in the back more so. So, but it was funny that she didn't see me get up and leave because I would be so aware of that. <laughs> I'm like my hippocampus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So somebody who feels like they're not doing what they're called here to do, and they're afraid to make a leap into what they really want to do. What would you tell them? I say, start with a plan. You know, I'm a huge person of getting a plan together. That's why like, I made a plan to go back to yoga. How do I get myself back in the saddle? So, you know, getting a plan down of like, what is your dreams? What is your desires? Really pinpointing it. And then talking to other people that have those dreams, desires, or maybe already established those dreams and desires. You know, I think it's so important to talk to others and see what it's like, because I mean, I love makeup for a while. I wanted to do makeup. Then I started talking to makeup artists in the industry and hearing about the hours that they work. And then I was like, nope, not for me. I can't do that. So, you know, talking about things with different people really help, you know, but also realize like there might be people out there that are into get you. And that's not everyone. Just be aware of certain red flags. If you're feeling something in your gut, like this person doesn't like rub me the right way. There's just something about them. I don't know what it is. Trust your gut. You know, you don't have to get angry at them. You just have to distance yourself from them. Yeah, definitely. Were you warning your mom about your stepdad? I don't remember the players and stuff like that. I know some of you were. Yeah. My mom... My sister did like my sister was the first one because she was living with my mom and met John the most. And then my mom ended up moving out of that house or the penthouse and then living with John. But I don't know if my mom knew she was living with John. It's like a back and forth kind of thing. Okay. So I don't have clarity quite with that. But I did warn her. I did tell like, but I was like being emotional. And when you're being emotional and you're like crying, there's actually a part in the inner ear that like tunes you out. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when someone's like crying, you can't like, you know, and I can't like sometimes when people are crying. I'm either very empathetic or I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I was just telling, so I was telling my friend when you're like that full of 
your partner's not going to be able to hear you. Yeah. This is the, the fight. Yeah. So you have to wait until you've calmed down and, yeah. and things like that. But I didn't know about that part of the inner ear. I thought that was just guys can't hear you if you're really. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just like, but I oh. think, and I thought that was the like, yeah, the non-feminine part of me. I'm just, but I, it's actually refreshing to hear you say that you're like that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you know, when you're in like the, your trauma mode, you're just like, I, I can't take anything right now. My bandwidth mm-hmm. is full. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, like, I know exactly what you mean. Like someone cried in front of me one time and it was a girlfriend and she was having a conversation. Well, she was first off having a conversation because I was the only one that laughed at a joke. Well, like not the only one. I was the one that laughed the loudest at a joke that she wasn't supposed to be a joke. Like she was saying that her boyfriend likes to massage her. And then he like says he like gets turned on, but he says he's like, it's just like getting emotional. And so all the girls thought that was funny, but I just, I laugh really loud. (laughs) And so she had a problem with me laughing and like, And so that's what she was talking about, but she started to cry. And I was just like, I can't right now. You know, I probably shouldn't talk, but sometimes (laughs) like I'm just blunt. I'm just like, can't cry right now. You know, take a moment, gather yourself, talk to me without tears. And then we could get through this because I can't have this conversation like this. Yeah. I I can be really blunt too. I don't mean to be mean. I just Well, you're stating your boundaries, you know, and some people can be sensitive to that, but it creates a further problem from happening. You know, it creates a fight from happening. You're establishing what you can and can't handle. And you're just putting it a little bluntly when, you know, some people need to be held by the hand when, you know, when you're secure and you're safe in your boundaries, like you don't need someone to hold your hand through a talk. You could do it on your own. You know, you may have, like, I have a therapist sometimes help guide me through things I should say later, um, inappropriate responses, but you don't, you don't need a like handheld and you like, you know, sometimes when people start crying, it's like, you understand there's hurt, but like you, you're hurt too. And you like, are we all going to start crying? And then it's like, you know, and we're trying to have an equal conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At all. Right. Do you have a message? I hope you want to give. Yes. So I say whatever trauma happened in your life, you can always move past it. You know, you can live with it and you can turn it around and make it a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hey, well, you're an example of that. That's Thank for you. sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I usually ask people, what's the hardest thing you've ever gone through? How'd you get through it? But I think we know. That, and then I had to figure out why I was so attached to the person I was with that was before the attack. And then we had mm-hmm. like a limbo thing afterwards, mm-hmm. but it was all connected to the attack. <laughs> oh, how's that? So when I met the guy, I was hit by a car. And so this guy would walk me, my ex-boyfriend would walk me to my car every single night. And because we worked together and so I became trauma bonded to him in the sense, not like the seven where it's like a narcissist trauma bond. Mm -hmm. It's like where your trauma and like you bond because of that. And so I bonded with him because he was my safe person. Uh, Okay. 
And then we came into a codependent relationship. And then we were together for five years. He moved in two weeks into the relationship. Wow. Yeah. And we got a dog together, everything. We got cash. (laughs) And so we were together for five years, but it was a very codependent relationship. When he would leave me, I would freak out. And then I honestly, I was young and I was jealous here and there. I had to work on things. I'm a lot better person now, you know? So I, I had to do a lot of work on that relationship, but I had to figure out that he was my safe person and always had been my safe person. So like when John attacked me, I really leaned on him for that safety. And then when he left me again, like my whole world fell apart in a sense, because I had to break down and learn how to be safe within myself. Oh, that's probably where your most growth came from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's always where our growth comes from is that. Like before the Dirty John stuff, he really start to mirror, like not mirror, but like show me things that I needed to work on. And I was in therapy around the end of that relationship. And so, you know, I was really trying to start to work on myself and build myself up. Okay. That's great. Is there anything else I should have asked you that we're going to be done? And you'd be like, Lauren didn't ask me this. No, I talked about my coaching a lot, which like I've been working on it like so much lately because I've been, I canceled MailChimp so that I could get everyone's email list and see who's spam and not spam. (laughs) That's so funny. Now, what's the most common question that you're asked when people meet you? How is your relationship with your mother? That I think that's a big one. And then tell me about the attack. Where did you get stabbed? Like some people sometimes will be talking about it. And then like, they'll, then they'll realize like I'm the girl. <laughs> oh, wow. Just randomly, you mean? Randomly or like, you know, they'll ask me like what I do for work or like whatever. And I'll be like, have you heard of Dirty John? Um, I've been like, you know, that's my story. And then they'll start talking about like the girl of like the attack and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I guess it's a good conversation starter. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Well, like, because like when people ask me what I do for work, it's hard to do a wellness coach. Yeah. Yeah. I do yoga. Okay. I like that response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, wellness coach, and I do all kinds of yeah coaching and yoga, tight and move beyond. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, this was so fun! Thank you for being a guest today on Fifty Two Weeks of Hope. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you the messages of honesty, gratitude, and an open heart. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and how to have fun. It's a great episode that's super upbeat, and that's next week. You definitely don't want to miss that. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're struggling, this might be for you. It's for those who feel like life's passing them by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burnt out and jealous of those who are doing what you wish you were doing. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and sign up over there. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.